You can turn to Proverbs chapter 27. Uh, if, if you were depending on the screen this morning, just be honest and raise your hand. If you say, you know what, I'm just going to, I didn't bring my Bible. Raise your hand. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that they put it on the screen. If you brought your Bible, raise your hand. Okay. More people bring their Bible in Canada than the United States. So I will give it up for my northern friends. Give it up for the people that bring their Bibles. Amen. I am so honored to be back here. You guys are some of my favorite people in all the world. I was last here in February 2020. A lot has changed since 2020. It's kind of hard to say the word 2020 without twitching a little bit, just everything that happened. Uh, I do want to clarify, my name is Drew Galloway. My name is not Dan McLeod. And so just in case uh, some of you were confused, uh, he and I were texting this morning. He said, there's some people texting me saying, you have a twin in uh, New Brunswick. Ever since I buzzed my hair off, and we do wear the same glasses, like same identical glasses and very similar clothes, but we are not related, but he is a close friend. So I give honor to Dan in his absence. I told him he could be Elijah, I could be Elisha, and we can just rock and roll with it like that. Amen. He is the elder, so I give honor to my elder. Uh, but so good to see all of you here this morning. Thank you. Thank you for your worship last night. I give honor to Brother Ricardo. Didn't he do an amazing job last night? Amazing, amazing. And I want to give a shout out to this church for always doing a first-class job and hosting everything they do, that they do. Let's give it up for CCC. Thank you. All the people behind the scenes that make it happen. The people that you see, the people that you never see who come in late and leave out early. I give honor to all the people that are making it happen to the Woolworths and the Lehmans. I give honor to this pastoral team, to my friend Pastor Matt and his family. I give him honor. And I want to say a special honor to Pastor Alex and Alana. Thank you for doing an amazing job. Come on, we can do better than that. They're doing an amazing job leading this local church and this event. And... I'm so thankful that I get to be a part of what God is doing this weekend. I'm glad that my family is with me, my wife Summer and our two-year-old son Oliver, and he's glad that he and Sam have just become best friends. And so if you hear a little noise, that's just them. Don't let two-year-olds amen louder than you. Somebody say amen. Yeah. If you would stand to your feet, I give honor to my pastor as well. Thank, thankful that he allows me uh, to travel and do what God has called me to do. It's not something I take lightly. And I'm just so thankful to be here. Proverbs chapter 27. I've already talked with David. I said, listen, you stayed up all night. You better not be falling asleep, especially on the front row. I'll never forget, I was preaching one time in our local youth service, and a kid fell asleep on the front row. And you know how sometimes when people sleep in church, they, they do it like in a subtle way, like they, they act like they're praying. <laughs> or they go to the altar. It's like, man, he hasn't moved in 30 minutes. That is not the spirit. Well, this kid was on the front row with his head on the back of the chair and his mouth open. I said, Brother David, and he had the nerve to wake up and start clapping. So after church, I went to him. I was like, look, I understand sometimes I could be a boring preacher. But if you're going to fall asleep, I need you to sit on the back row and not on the front row. Because that doesn't do very good for my confidence as I'm standing up there preaching. You're there snoring. So... Look at your neighbor and say, don't fall asleep. My goal is to be done preaching before you're done listening. And so I know that we have a lot of fun things planned, that lunch is coming, and I know that we're going to have a good time at the gym. But I do believe that God has given me direction. 
And I really wrestled all morning. I wanted to go so many other ways. I was like, God, I don't want to start out here, but the more I prayed about it and studied and just sought God, I really feel like God has given me direction. And I really feel like today, if you will take this message and apply it to your life, it will help you. Sometimes people preach what we want to hear, and sometimes people preach what we need to hear. And I've always said, God, I want to be the type of preacher not to make people feel good, but that can help people live right. At the end of the day, I don't know about you, but I want somebody to help me stay on the correct path. I don't want to be fooled. I don't want to be patted on the back. Listen, I don't believe you have to lower the bar for this generation. I believe you're hungry for something real, something authentic. I believe God wants to use you now. We don't have to lower the bar. I believe we have to raise the bar. Amen. I believe God wants to use you in a powerful way. But if he's going to do so, there are going to have to be some things that you establish. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse number 20. The Bible says, hell and destruction are never full. So the eyes of man are never satisfied. Solomon, the wise man, said that hell and destruction, they are never full. And likewise, the eyes of man, they are never satisfied. That word satisfied in the Hebrew just means full or, or, or not needing anymore. What he's saying is there's something about the eyes of a human that they've never gotten enough. They always want more. They always want more. So for the next few moments on this first session I want to preach to you from this topic, the war for the window. Look at somebody and say, the war for the window. Before you see it, if you can lift up your hands and would you pray with me? Come on, would you lift up your voice with me now and just pray, God, speak to me. Come on, God, speak to me today. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that your voice would speak clearly to the students, hyphens, and leaders of this district today. God, I pray that conviction would flow let our hearts be challenged today God I pray in the name of Jesus that your will would be done in earth as it is in heaven I come against every distraction I come against every opposing spirit I take dominion now in the name of Jesus and I pray that the Holy Ghost would have free course to do what it wants to do in this service today let us be sensitive and let us be submitted to the leading of your spirit and everybody said in Jesus name come on you can do better than that say in Jesus name I want you to high-five three people and say, you look great this morning, and you may be seated. I was trying to give some of you a shot right there. If you missed it, that's on you. In his book, Competing Spectacles, Author Tom Ranke states that we are creatures shaped by what grabs our attention. He says what we give our attention to becomes our objective and subjective reality. In other words, what we attend to, what interests us, and we become like, he says, what we watch. Both Thomas Fayer and William Shakespeare are accredited with saying it, but regardless of where it originates, it still rings true in 2023, and that is the eyes are the window to the soul. While this is not a statement directly from the Bible, I do believe that this is certainly a statement supported 
by the scriptures that the eyes, everybody say my eyes, are the window to my soul. These eight words encapsulate such a powerful truth and they carry such a weighty responsibility. Concerning your eyes, our eyes, the first mention of the word eyes is found in the third chapter of the book of Genesis and will go on to be mentioned 501 times throughout the rest of the Bible. Genesis 3.5, to be specific, captures the very first mention of the soul's window or our eyes. The Bible says in Genesis 3.5, just 60 verses into the Bible, it says this. This is the enemy talking, for God doth know that in the day that you eat thereof, that your eyes are going to be open, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Understand, it's always the ploy of sin to get you to think that you're missing something by not partaking in it. There's, it's always the deception of the enemy that would try to tell you that there is something on the other side of sin that you have never known up to this point. But the lie of sin, and, and while there is truth woven into that statement, that yes, there is something on the other side of sin, but what the enemy never truly tells you is what is actually on the other side of sin. He tries to paint the picture that you're missing something great and that you're missing something awesome because you are not partaking in what he's trying to offer you. But he does, what he does not tell you is what's really on the other side of sin is shame. It's condemnation. It's feelings of regret and anxiety. So the enemy comes to Eve and he tells her, he says, God knows that in the day that you partake of what I'm trying to get you to partake of, there's something that's going to happen. He says, your eyes are going to be open. It is no coincidence that the very first mention of the eyes in Scripture directly involves two people. Number one is Eve. Number two is the enemy. The very first mention of eyes in the Scripture involves the eyes of Eve and the invitation of the enemy because the enemy knows the only way I'm going to get God's people to indulge in the forbidding is i got to first capture their eyes. And this encounter between Eve and the enemy, the eyes we see is the beginning of a thread that would be woven throughout the rest of the Bible. The Bible says in Genesis 3, 6 that the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and it was pleasing to the eye. And when Eve saw it and it pleased her eyes, you know what happened? She could no longer resist. The origin of sin started and directly involved the eyes. The enemy knows the appetite for the forbidden must always start with our eyes. And so through the eyes, a whole new world of sin and shame was introduced to Adam and Eve. And while this started in Genesis chapter 3, it certainly did not end there. The Bible says in Joshua chapter 7 that Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. He says, I know I shouldn't have done what I have done. I know that I knew better. I know that it was forbidden. But the Bible says in verse 21, he gives an answer to why he did and he said when I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian's garment Achan said I knew it was against the word of God to take something from the enemy's camp and bring it back to our camp I knew that it was going to bring a curse upon me and upon my family but Achan said I got to tell you what really happened when I saw it I could not resist it because the enemy knows if he can grab our attention he will soon have access to our soul our flesh, hear me guys, our flesh is never satisfied with a glance. It always wants 
to partake. That's why our opening text said hell and destruction are never full, but the eyes of man, they are never satisfied. The longer we look on the forbidden, the more enticing it becomes. Everybody know David in the Bible, the man that killed the giant. Everybody knows David, the man that wrote the Psalms, the king who was anointed to change the course of Israel. Here's what the Bible also says about David in 2 Samuel 11 and 2. And it came to pass in Eden time. When the Bible says it came to pass, it's about to get very interesting. Like it, something's about to go down. The Bible says it came to pass in Eden time that David rose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of a house and he saw a woman bathing. And you know what happened? He should have saw that and said, Ooh, that's not my wife. I'm going back inside. Because guess what's going to happen? There's going to be times in life that you see things you wish you would have never seen. There are times I go to the local Walmart and I see things I wish I would have never seen. It baffles me sometimes what people leave the house in. Like I want to tell them, hey, you should not wear the outside. We're going to see things, Pastor Matt, that we don't want to see. And this happened to David. Bathsheba wasn't doing anything wrong. She was, she was in her own space doing her own thing. And David should have realized that, you know what, I should not be looking at this. But here's what happens when you get comfortable. You'll start looking at things you know that you're not supposed to be looking at. So David had the faith to kill a giant, but not enough discipline to guard his eyes. So even the most anointed, if we're not careful, we'll look at things we know we should not be looking at. You must guard what you see. When you allow something access to the window, it will soon have access to the house. And I want to tell you on this first morning session, there's a war in the spirit going on today for the window of your soul. It doesn't matter how anointed you are. It doesn't matter how gifted you are. There is an enemy. The Bible makes it very clear. He has come to steal, kill, and destroy. I want you to know the enemy is not your friend. This culture is not your friend. They want to destroy you. It matters. God, I feel such a heavy anointing on, on me today. It matters what you look at. It matters what you watch. I'm thankful how God uses you on Sunday, but I'm telling you what's going to protect your anointing is when you make a decision to protect your eyes and realize I am a child of the king. Not everything deserves an audience with these eyes because I've been marked by the anointing of God. There's some things I'm not going to watch. There's some places I'm not going to go. There's some things I'm not going to listen to. Why? Because I've been marked by the anointing of God. I want every young man to hear me today. Your anointing is too valuable. Your future is too priceless for you to haphazardly go through life just giving your eyes and your, your body to everything that tries to come in front of you when the children of Israel were going to possess the land of Canaan. God gave them specific instruction. This is how you're going to be successful in the promised land. God brought them out of Egypt into the promised land, but he said, this is not the time to relax. And so the Bible says God gave them instruction in Numbers chapter 33 and verse number 51. The Bible says, speak to the children of Israel and say unto them, when you are passed over in the Jordan in the land of Canaan, this is what he says, verse 52. Then when you get to where I want you to go, this is what I want you to do. I want you to drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you. Okay, God, we can do that. 
but I also want you to destroy their pictures and destroy all their molten images and plug down their high places. He said, listen, if you're going to be successful in navigating the promised lands, number one, you got to get rid of the inhabitants of the land, but number two, you got to destroy all the pictures and all the molten images. Why? Because it's not just the people that are deadly, it's also the pictures that are deadly because these pictures portray the idolatrous lifestyle and Moses was trying to get them to understand if you're going to live successfully in the promised land, you got to make sure that you get rid of the pictures. The pictures of idolatry, Moses said, you cannot just have them in your house. You cannot have them in front of your children. He goes on in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse number 5. He said, but thus, this is how you deal with them. You have to destroy their altars. He's talking about the enemy. He said, destroy their altars and break down their images and cut down their groves and burn the graven images with fire. He said, get rid of it. Why? Because you are a holy people. You are somebody that's been handpicked by God. I want you to know when you have been chosen by God, it is of eternal value that you guard what you look at. I know it may seem innocent, but I want you to know if it draws you away from God, it is not innocent. If it pulls you away from prayer, it is not innocent. If it damages your worship, it is not innocent. Why am I preaching this today? Because there are young men and young women in this room. You've been confused. You've been battling things that you don't know where it's coming from. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me this morning and said, here's where it's coming from. They've been watching things I never wanted them to watch. They've been entertaining things I never wanted them to entertain. I have counseled with too many students, Pastor Matt, over the last two years dealing with anxiety and dealing with all sorts of things. And then when we got to the root of the issue, it all started when somewhere in their bedroom, somewhere alone, they were watching things they should not have been watching. And I want you to know, you cannot overcome in the prayer room what you entertain in your bedroom. I don't care how many times you pray about it. I don't care how many days you fast about it. At the end of the day, one day, you're going to have to stand up and delete it. You're going to have to get it off your iPad. You're going to have to get it off your phone. And you're going to have to say, enough is enough. I want God too bad to throw my life away to the things of this world. Some things you don't have to pray about. There's some things you don't have to petition God about. God told him, you got to get rid of the pictures. No praying about it. No fasting about it. No consecration. No, 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 no. Destroy them. Why? Because if you don't destroy them, they have the potential to destroy you. He says, so if you're going to operate in the promised land, if you're going to be what I've called you to be, you're going to have to make a decision to get rid of the pictures because if you don't guard the window, the window is going to lead to the soul. And unhealthy, unguarded windows lead to unhealthy Christians. A Puritan once said this, there's no means to guard the heart if we leave our eyes unguarded. And here's the tough part. David now doesn't have to climb to a rooftop to see Bathsheba in an inappropriate manner. Now it's available with a click of a button on our phones and our iPads and our MacBooks. The forbidden is no longer fruit hanging from a tree, but it's displayed on the screens that have become such a major part of our life. Even in some of the most conservative studies, they say that students are sp spending between five to nine hours a day in front of some sort of screen. 
and the enemy knows us and so the pictures of idolatry are flashed before your eyes at such a rapid rate and what used to be promoted in a subtle manner now is so boldly put in front of our eyes and we cannot sit by idly and watch things that contradict the God we serve and the Bible we love and dismiss it as harmless because it's entertainment. Hear me, entertainment that contradicts the God that we worship and the Bible that we love, that's not entertainment, it's a trap. I had to ask myself this hard question. What good is it to repent over something that I'm willing to watch on a screen? What good does it do me to go to an altar and ask God to forgive me of something that I would idly sit by and watch somebody else do it, but I dismiss it as harmless because it's entertainment. It's not entertainment. It's a trap. It's the enemy's way of trying to get his vices into our life. Here's what the psalmist said in Psalm 101 and 3. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. The word wicked there means worthless. He said, I'm not going to place anything wicked in front of my eyes. And here's what I know in 2023. We have to see enough wicked things already. We fight enough battles already. Why would we intentionally place something in front of us that's going to trap us. Profanity, immorality, brutality, all these things that are portrayed in front of us. Romans 1.32, Paul tells us that judgment is not just going to be for the ungodly, but it's going to be to those who have pleasure and do them. I, I heard one time Bishop Woodward uh, share this story, and it convicted me so strongly. He said there was an early church father that took his young daughter to the live theater in Rome, and in that live theater, it was portraying some of the most awful things, adultery and immorality, and in these shows, they intentionally displayed all manner of sin, and this early church father was appalled, and he posed this question, how can it be right to watch what is wrong? How can it be okay to watch people do things on the screen that we would never do ourselves? How can it be okay to give that type of behavior constant access to our eyes? While this may be uncomfortable to hear this morning, I get it, but if you can apply this word to your life, it will save you so much heartache and disappointment. How? Ask yourself this question. How is it okay to watch someone do something on the screen that the Bible repeatedly speaks against of? Not only is some of the things we're watching ungodly, there's so much time that it takes away from us. Distractions where we can't pray and we can't read our Bible, we can't fast, we can't teach Bible studies. Why? Because we're trapped. But I believe that before we leave this service today, Jesus is going to come in. He's going to loosen the grit from the chains and some of you are going to leave this building set free. I believe this is the key to why so many of you, you feel victorious on Sunday, but somewhere between Sunday and Wednesday, the victory seems to dissipate and you feel trapped again. I want you to know it is not the will of God for you to live in that vicious cycle where you feel like you're okay one day and not okay the next. Hear me, you're never going to be perfect, but there can be a sustaining touch from God that can keep you to where you're not always so up and down. But here's what I believe happens. I believe we come into church on Sunday and we get everything that we need. But between Sunday and Wednesday, the things that we're, in, we're entertaining, it drains everything out of us. And then we come back in on Wednesday and we need it again. This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 22. He said, the light of the body 
is the eye. He said, therefore, if your eye is single, your whole body will be full of light. The word single there means whole or pure or healthy. He said, if your eye is pure, your whole body is going to be full of light. But he says in verse 23, but if your eye be evil, your whole body will be full of darkness. In other words, everything rises and falls on the eyes. The eye is going to dictate, according to Jesus, if our bodies is full of light or darkness. Multiple studies have confirmed that there's a strong link between increased screen time and media with an increased risk of depression, anxiety, loneliness, self-harm, and even suicidal thoughts. I'm not saying that I believe all media shows and movies are necessarily bad, but I believe if something consumes so much of our time that we're not spending time with God, we're not praying, we're not reading our Bibles, we're not engaging in fruitful relationships with other people, then I believe it does become bad. What we lend our eyes to, we lend our time to. And what we lend our time to, we lend our life to. Scripture is too replete with overwhelming evidence that the eyes and its importance for us to simply ignore it in 2023. Here's what Jesus will go on to say in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 29. He said, if thy eye offend thee, pluck it out. He said, if your eye is offending thee, he said, pluck it out. The word offense here is scandalizo. This is where we get our English word scandal from. In that day, it was an ancient trap that hunters would put bait in the middle and it had these big teeth like things. And when the animal would come, it would close on them and it would trap them. The scandalizo, it would, it would hold them and it would literally hold that animal so long they would sit there and they would die. And what Jesus is saying, if you feel like your eye is trapping you, he said, pluck it out. He now noticed that Jesus does not literally mean to pluck it out physically, but the word there simply means to deliver or to restore. And what Jesus is saying is, if you feel like today that what you've been looking at has you trapped, fear no more because there's a God that can deliver you and there's a God that can restore you and there's a God that can set you free. And you're gonna, and I believe, I, matter of fact, I know that before we leave this service today, some of you are gonna be loose from that trap and you're gonna leave walking in the freedom and the power of the Spirit of God. But why did Jesus say this? He was trying to get us to understand your soul is more important than your eyes, but your eyes have direct power over your soul. It starts with your window. Everything that we watch will support or suffocate our relationship with God. We cannot expect to watch consistently dark and vulgar things and, and, and expect that it not affect us spiritually, our health, or our emotions. Some of you are going to have to go home today, go back to your hotel, wherever you're going, and you're going to have to make some tough decisions. You know what? I, I need to take a break. I need to delete. I need to unsubscribe. I need to get some things out of my life. Why? Because I know God is calling me to do something, and this is hindering me, and this is hurting me. Because here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 6. Blessed are the pure in heart. Here it is. For they shall see God. I want you to know you don't have to give your eyes to the things of this world. There is a war going on today because there's an enemy that's trying to lure you in with all the media and all the garbage. But I want you to know on the flip side of that there's a God that wants your attention there's a God that wants to show you things you've never seen before there's a God that wants you to know I have dreams and visions and calling for you 
And the reason I feel such a burden to preach this this morning, I want to preach in defense. Forget about what the enemy's doing. There's a God that's saying, if I can have your attention, I'll take you places. I've never taken anybody. I've got to hurry, but that's why the New Testament would repeatedly say things like we don't look on the things on the outside. We don't look on the temporal, but we look on the things which are not seen. Why? Because there's something beyond the natural. There's a realm of the spirit that God wants to take you to. I believe the hand of God is upon this generation, perhaps like no other generation before, and the enemy knows that, and so he's trying to distract you. He's trying to detour you because there's a God that wants to show you something. But the tragedy is in the war for the window, if we give our eyes to the wrong things, we will miss what God is trying to show us. That's why I feel such a burden to preach this this morning. I want to get somebody to get your eyes in the right direction and understand there's a God who wants to reveal himself to you in a manner that you've never seen him before. John said it like this, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. He said, all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And, the, and it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. But the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. I want you to know something today. There's an enemy that is so at work trying to distract you and trying to detour you. Because there's some place in the spirit that God wants to take you. David, I need your help. I don't know, but Pastor Alex, if you can, uh, that chair can be unhinged and you can bring that up here. David, I want you to come up here. Bring that chair with you. Oh, you don't need any help. Let's give it up for big, strong David. David, I want you to stand in this chair. Stand in it. He says, stand or sit, stay. If you fall, you, you'll be okay. Are your parents here? Okay, good. Stay right there. Here's how this works. Luke chapter 19. Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus. And he could not for the press or the crowd because he was of little stature. <laughs> You're actually not that little. So he ran before and he climbed up in a sycamore tree because he wanted to see Jesus because Jesus was coming by. And the next verse says that when Jesus comes to the place as Jesus is walking by, Jesus looks up and he sees Zacchaeus. And this is what he said, make haste, come down for today. I must abide at your house. One translation said, today salvation has come to your house. Why am I sharing with you this story of Zacchaeus? Here's why. Because there was a young man who said I can't see Jesus because everything's in the way. And he made the decision to go a step further. And he said I'm going to climb up in a sycamore tree because you know what? I want to see Jesus. And when Jesus walked by Jesus saw the man that took the extra effort to see him. 
And I want you to know, if you will make the decision to climb up in a sycamore tree, if you will make the decision to go to a prayer room, to go to an altar and say, Jesus, I want to see you. Jesus always sees the people who want to see him. But he did not just see you. He said, come down. He said, come down. I'm going home with you today. Why? Because you are willing to make the effort to see me. I know the press was in the way. I know the crowd was in the way. I know everybody else was doing their thing. But David, you decided to step up and go a little bit further. And I've always noticed that Jesus will always see the person who goes the extra mile to see him. Here is why I'm preaching this to you today. I was in Colorado last summer. I've only preached this message a handful of times. It's not something necessarily I enjoy preaching. But this has changed my life personally about five years ago. And I've been on a journey for about five years to clean up everything in my life. You know why? I want to be able to hear from God. And I don't want the voice of God to have to go through the polluted filters that I placed on my life based on what I've been watching. And I've noticed the more that I consecrate myself, Pastor Matt, the more easily I can hear from God. About five years ago, I started this journey. But last summer, David, I was in Colorado and I was getting ready to preach. It was on Thursday night. I was getting ready to preach this message. And when I stepped up, as I was about to step on the platform, the Lord spoke to me and said, Acts chapter 2. And I thought to myself, what has Acts chapter 2 got to do with anything? What has it got to do with anything in this message? I didn't think much about it. I went on and preached. During the altar call, God spoke to me and said, Acts chapter 2. I had a friend of mine who was the day speaker at that camp, Brother Nate Smith. I went over to him. And he said, I got to share something with you. I said, when I went up to preach, Acts chapter 2, I don't know if you can get Acts chapter 2 and verse 17. I don't know. I apologize. I didn't give this to the media team. Acts chapter 2 and verse 17. This is what God spoke to me. And it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Here it is. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And that altar call, God spoke to me. He said, the reason that these young people are being so distracted by media and by the things in this world is because they are the most prophetic generation. And they are the ones that I want to show to, and I want to use to prophesy and to see visions and to be used in the gifts of the spirit. And as I walk up to my friend as I go to tell him that I go over and I tell him I said Nate this is where I feel like God showed me I decided I was going to go on the platform and share that but I waited just a moment and I looked over to my left about where Pastor Alex is and there was a man in the crowd that I recognized I had never met but I knew that he was deeply used in the gifts of the spirit so I walk over to him and I introduce myself I said hello I'm Drew Galloway he said I know who you are he said I want to share something with you the Lord just spoke to me he had no idea of my conversation he said, the Lord spoke to me while you were preaching. He said, the reason this generation has been attacked so much with media and with things of this world is because they are the most prophetic generation. And he said, here's what the Lord told me, Acts chapter 2. And when he said that, I said, stop. So I got him and I brought him over to Nate. I, by this time, I'm, I'm weeping. 
because there's so many confirmations. And I stopped that man, and I, I never met this man. I brought him over to my friend across the room, and I said, now I want you to tell me. He said, the reason that this generation has been attacked so much, he said, because in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says that there's going to be young men and young women, and they are going to prophesy. And there's going to be young men that see visions. He said, and the reason the enemy is trying to use media to distract them so much is because he knows this is a generation that God wants to use in a deep way in the gifts of the spirit I want you to know media and movies and the things of this world is a cheap substitute for what God wants to show you I'm telling you, if you can ever make the decision to turn that stuff off for just a little bit and get along with God, he will show you things that will blow your mind. God's hand is on this generation, but you gotta make up your mind. I'm gonna guard the window. I'm gonna guard the window. The reason there's such a war is the enemy knows if God ever gets your attention, you're going to see things that can tear his kingdom apart. I want you to stand to your feet all over this room. I know, I understand this is uncomfortable sometimes to hear. But I promise you, if you will make a commitment, God, I'm going to guard what I look at. And I'm going to be like Zacchaeus. Maybe not physically come up in a tree. But I'm going to get along with God. And I'm going to try to go to a higher place. And I'm going to turn some things off. I'm going to shut down Netflix for a month. Just, I wish somebody would just try me. 30 days. 30 days, turn it off. 30 days, get along with God. You'll be amazed after 30 days how much your anxiety lessens. How much your depression lessens. You'll be amazed at 30 days how much clarity you have, how much victory you have, how much freedom you have. I'm telling you, I'm coming against the plan of the enemy today. If you will step up and try to see God, there's a God that's going to see you and there's a God that's going to go home with you. But you got to make up your mind. I don't want to be in the low places. I want to see God. I want to see God. I want to see visions. I want to prophesy. I wonder if you can lift up your hands all over this room. <laughs> Come on, if you're open to that, let God challenge you right now. Come on, lift up your voice. Come on, lift up your voice. I'm going to protect the anointing in my life. I'm going to protect the prophetic in my life. I want the gifts of the Spirit more than I want to finish that show. I'm tired of getting my emotions all woven up into something that's not even real. I'm going to guard the window. I'm going to guard what I watch. I'm telling you there's freedom. There's freedom. You can be free. Hear me, guys. The musicians can come. 
the enemy deceive Eve into believing that if she will follow her eyes into the forbidden, she will be as God and she will see things she's never seen. The reality is the reason God was trying to protect her is because it was never God's will for Adam and Eve to see the shame and the condemnation that the forbidden would bring. The enemy will convince you that you're missing out. That you're weird. You're an outcast. If you say, you know what? I'm not going to spend my life binge watching a show that's not even real. Let's just be honest. This is going to be uncomfortable, but I've been there. But before I started my journey, there were times I got so wrapped up in a show, Brother Ricardo, I would get emotional when somebody died. I'm like, I don't even know these people. They don't even really love each other. That's not even his wife. The worst part, they don't even know I exist. There I was. Oh, God. When I had prayer for this couple. But then go to church. Man, I just, I just don't feel anything. Why? Because we've given our emotions to everything that doesn't even deserve it. You have to understand, you only have so much bandwidth for emotions. If you pour it out all during the week for the things that don't deserve it, that's why you come in church, you're like, I don't feel anything. I'm telling you there's an enemy, he's trying to rob you of an intimate, deep relationship with God. I'm telling you, God wants to take you places you've never been. This is more than just a Sunday, Wednesday worship for an hour. Go home. There's a God that wants to go home with you, Zacchaeus. And he wants to show you things that you never thought he could show you. And he wants to take you places you never thought you could go. But I'm telling you, if you will make a consecration, if you will make a commitment that, God, I'm going to give myself to you. I don't know why, but 30 days keeps coming back to my mind. I want to challenge every person in this room for 30 days. Cut the cut the garbage off cut everything off that's distracting you and say I'm going to go after God for 30 days I promise you that 30 days from now you will not even recognize yourself your ear will hear more clearly your eyes will see more clearly you will worship more freely I'm telling you if you will guard the window If you're in this room and you say, God, I want to pay more attention to the window of my soul. I want you to step out of your seat. I want you to come. We're going to gather around the front and we're going to pray and we're going to make a commitment. Come on, there's leaders in this room. It's not just for students. But I challenge you, guard the anointing that's on your life. In the name of Jesus. I wonder if we can lift our hands all together. Thank you, Jesus. Here's what we're going to do together. I'm going to do it with you. I can tell you in the last five years, I haven't been perfect. 
There's been times I've slipped up and times I've made mistakes. But overall, cleaning up what my eyes look at has changed my life. And I know it can do the same for you. I wonder if we could lift up our hands together right now. And let's just repent all over this room. Jesus, forgive us that we've been so consumed with the things of this world that we are missing. We are missing God. <laughs> We're missing what you want to show us. Come on, would there be a young man and young lady cry out right now, God, I'm sorry. The enemy's trying to rob a generation of the deep places of the Spirit. But today, we're making a decision. God, forgive us. Take us where we've never gone. Show us what we've never seen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now that conviction would grip our hearts. Come on now that you repent and lift up your hands. Get ready. The Holy Ghost is going to begin to minister to you. I'm telling you, you're going home. Some of you, and you're going to begin to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. You're going to begin to operate in a realm which you never have. Jesus, you said in your word that sons and daughters would prophesy. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that the gifts of the Spirit would be unleashed and unlocked upon this district, upon these churches, God. I pray that you would take these young people to a place they have never been in the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it. If you want it, lift up your voice. Lift up your voice and cry out. Yes! Come on, that's it. Show God you're desperate. Show God you're desperate. Use me, God. Use me, God. I'll consecrate. I'll commit. <laughs> <laughs>